Let the leaves start falling. And <laughs> the whiskey's calling <laughs> for me. <laughs> What are you drinking? Wine. What kind of wine? Box wine. What kind of box it's wine? Red. Red box it's, wine. It's red. It was on sale. <laughs> that, that will be appropriate then. Uh, oh, that doesn't. <laughs> None of this is making me feel better about this, Lauren. I'm not trying to make you feel better, Anastasia. <laughs> And the worst thing is, like, I don't know anything. Like, unless he has got, like, a name that's attached to him. By name, I don't recognize it. Yeah, well, you will after this. Everyone, this is Anastasia, and this is Lauren, and you're listening to Wait to Panic, a podcast where two friends take turns trying to scare one another shitless. And this week it's Lauren's turn. And do I have a horror show for you? I'm sorry. Like no joke, guys. She has been saying she's sorry for at <laughs> least the last 24 hours. And I'm genuinely concerned. You should be, and I am sorry. Uh, oh, that's so not helping. The, the story was recommended to me by my friend Brian from work. Uh, he also happens to be the person that made our theme music for us. Uh, so he and I have a tendency to talk about weird and creepy things after he listens to our podcast each week, which thank you, Brian, for supporting. Do we have happies? We should do happies. Yes, you're right. We should do happies. What do we have for happies this week? Well, I have wine because I feel like I'm going to need that to be happy after this. <laughs> I, I'm happy I warned you that to get wine for your happy. Does that count? Uh, loosely. I'm also really thrilled. Thank you to everyone who has listened to us so far because we're at what? Mid nine hundreds, yeah. Like this is so much farther than we thought we'd be by now, and It's fantastic. thank you. We really appreciate it. Be our friends. Be our friends. Be our friends. I was trying to yeah. remember the "Be Our Friends" song from Jungle Book, but I did not get it. Oh, see, I was going with "Be Our Guest," and that was. Weird. Be our friend. Be our friend. Da, 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 da. That's much too perky for the, the story. story that I'm about to tell yeah. you. All right, rip the bandaid off. Okay, so we are talking about Carl Tanzler and Maria Elena Milagro de Hoyos. That is a name. It is, and we're going to call her Elena from now on because that was the best I could do, and I'm sure I kind of butchered it, and I'm sorry, but 
We're going to call her from Elena from now on. You did fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so we are going to start off with Elena's history and then go chronological from there, okay? So... I'm not giving you any hints. I'm letting it unfold. Okay, now I'm just confused how we're talking about Carl, but we're starting with Elena, but yep, okay. Yep, yep. Okay. It'll just... make sense. I wanted to start with the happiest portion. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good. <laughs> <laughs> so, Elena was born in 1909 to Francisco and Aurora uh, Hoyos... Oh, wow, okay. Was born to Francisco Hoyos and Aurora Milagro, which... Cuban names apparently get combined after, for like, for the children, which is pretty cool and prog- progressive. Um, so they were a okay. Cuban family that made cigars for a living in Key West, Florida. That's, like, the most Cuban thing I've heard of. But okay. Right? <laughs> uh, so Elena was a middle child. She had an older sister named Florinda Milagro Hoyos and a younger sister named Celia Milagro Hoyos. And Killing it with the names. Thank you. Uh, So Elena grew up to be a very lovely young woman with dark wavy hair, and she was recognized as a local beauty by her community. Not too much info between, other than she grew up to be very lovely um, before she got married. So in February 18th, 1926, Elena was married to a young man named Mario Medina. They were 17 and 18, respectively. Ah, young love. Young kiddos. But unfortunately, um, they didn't get to enjoy their young love for very long. So Boy, that was a short happy. <laughs> <laughs> so probably not the way you're thinking. So they were married for year maybe two, and then they were expecting their first child. Um, but unfortunately, Elena suffered a miscarriage and... Rather than losing the child, which is horrific as is, she also lost her husband. Mario abandoned her after the miscarriage and moved to Miami, oh. leaving her with her parents, which pretty dick move, in my opinion. That is a big dick move. Yeah. What a douche. Yeah. So from there, it was a few years more. Um... Elena was 21 years old on April 22nd in 1930 when she went for a medical exam at the U.S. Marine Hospital in Key West. And there she was diagnosed with tuberculosis. And this is also how she met Carl Tanzler, who was a radiology technician there. Mm. So we're going to pause on Elena and get Carl's history now. Okay, had they already discovered the cure for tuberculosis at this time no no basically iron lungs and all that yeah this is basically a death sentence gotcha yeah unfortunately okay so carl remember elena born 1909 she's 21 years old when they meet so carl was born february 8th 1877 to a jewish family in dresden germany and he was a deep believer in true love and soulmates. Mm, see, you say it, and I know it's supposed to sound sweet, but, but I know it's not. <laughs> so in 1889, at the age of 12, Carl had a dream um, 
well, debatable if it was a dream or a vision, but either way it was, he had some kind of visual image come to him. And there are two accounts of what it may have been. Either one, his soulmate themselves appeared to him and revealed her face. Or, account number two, a dead relative, specifically the Countess Anna Constantia von Kossel, came to him in a dream and revealed the face of his future soulmate. Two different accounts okay, of what may have happened. How far back are we talking relative there for him to have a countess in his genealogy? Uh, yeah, unclear. It just says <laughs> long dead. Okay, because I'm like, I'm sorry, you had a countess in your family? And you're a radio, like, radiologist? A radiologist. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so there's not a whole lot of info on Carl between the ages of 12 and adulthood, but at some point he ended up leaving Germany. He traveled to India and from there to Australia, and damn do I wish the borders were that easy to get across nowadays. Oh God, no kidding. That'd be awesome. (laughs) Um, But once he was in Australia, he kind of got sidetracked. He had originally been planning to go and explore the South Sea Islands, but instead he settled into Australia, took a huge interest in engineering and electrical work, and bought some property, bought some boats, an island, you know, just the essential items. Okay, well, maybe that countess wasn't so far back. (laughs) No, no, that was all self-made money. Uh, Okay, fair, but... So... Man, I wish things were that cheap nowadays. Inflation's a bitch. (sighs) No kidding. Yeah. So Carl was living on his island when World War I broke out. Well, that's a good place for him. Yeah, so he was a Jewish-German living in Australia on a private island. Uh, He had been in Australia for about 10 years at this point, and apparently private island wasn't restrained enough, so the British decided that Carl needed to go into a concentration camp for safekeeping, where he was kept alongside with war prisoners from India and China. Ah, yeah, that old lie. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're putting them there for their safety. Yeah. It's all for you. Right. Hmm. So at the end of the war, no one that had been imprisoned was allowed to stay in Australia. Instead, they got sent back to their birth countries. Yep. So Carl got shipped on back to Germany, where he... Found his mom, made sure she was still alive. She was. Kudos and yay for Carl's mom. Um, And he started kind of giving up on it. Like, he had been all over the place at this point. Like, India, Australia, Germany, probably a bunch of places in between. Never met his dream girl. So he kind of started to give up a little bit. You know, they say when you stop looking. It's when you find them. Well, he did get married. In 1920, he married Doris Schaefer who was notably not the woman he knew to be his soulmate from his vision. But he kind of got tired of waiting around, so you know Doris would do. That's sad. Also, I hope she didn't know that he was just like, eh, second best. Unclear, but he was pretty adamant about his vision, so I feel like she probably knew. She probably knew. Yeah. Sorry, Doris. Sorry, Doris. At least your name got said. (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, But her not being his soulmate didn't really keep him from being active with her, so it wasn't too long before they had children. 
Um, they had two daughters. Their first daughter, Aisha Tansler, was born in 1922, and their second daughter, Clarista Tansler, was born in 1924. Okay. 1926, they decided that instead of staying in Germany with Carl's mother, they were going to emigrate to the U.S. and go meet up with his sister, who was living in Florida at the time. So Tansler took his small family, and they went to Zephyrillus, Florida, near his sister. Sorry, I'm just waiting for the bottom to drop out of the bucket, because everything sounds so normal for the most part, <laughs> up until this point. So in 1927, Carl left his family in Zephyrillus with his sister, and he went to Key West for a position as a radiology technician at the U.S. Marine Hospital, as we've covered a little bit. But at this point, he's calling himself Carl von Kosel, which was the name of the countess from his vision. And okay, he's just kind of really embracing that name. Like, he's just leaning a little bit more in. I think having married someone that wasn't his soulmate was weighing on him, so he needed to feel more connected somehow. That's my theory. Hey, whatever helps. Yeah. So that brings us all back to the same point in time. And we get to have, together at last, Carl and his soulmate, Elena. So Elena stepped into her appointment at the U.S. Marine Hospital, just needing to see a radiologist for her declining health. And Carl set eyes on her and immediately knew two things. That he was in love and that she was his soulmate from his vision. Lucky girl. Was she also struck with love, or? We'll get there. I mean, she was just there to get herself checked out, not to be checked out. Story of every woman everywhere existing in any situation. <laughs> right. We just want basic medical care, okay? We are stop not Googling. here to impress you. Please stop. A few of the articles I read said that some of her beauty came from her shyness. I'm like, you creeps. All I can think of is Eliza Schlesinger's... Um, thing where it's like, hi, I'm at a club and you're over here cowering and I can't help but notice that you look terrified. I'm like, right. screw all of oh. you. <laughs> Which, side note, if you haven't watched any of her comedy specials, Do. you should. They're amazing. So back to Carl. So he's he's love-stricken. He's found his soulmate. But unfortunately, he like he found her too late. She'd just been diagnosed with tuberculosis. Also, he, there's a 32-year age difference. And it's pretty hard to get past. So, like, she is dying. And true love conquers all. <laughs> true love conquers all. Um, and as I said earlier, in 1930, this is basically a death sentence. Like, it's tuberculosis is not something that is curable at this point. And not only right. does it take Elena's life, but it ends up taking other members of her family. Most of her family was killed by tuberculosis. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Carl decided that he was going to give it a shot anyways. Like, who cares that he's in his 50s, married with children, one of her medical practitioners. Also, hospital protocol says this is big no-no, as does just standard decorum. But, you know, all that be damned, well, he found his soulmate. When you know what you want, you got to go for it, right? What is it they say? Shoot your shot or whatever? Yeah. I don't know. That's still a really gross saying to me. It is. 
So Carl was mm. determined to heal Alana, and he was, like, convinced. He had convinced himself that he would be able to cure her with mm. his radiology experience. Um, okay. So in, Did he actually have, like, a degree in radiology? Or? We'll get there. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> this is horrible, Lauren. <laughs> so the way he started going about trying to heal her was showering her with affection, gifts, and medical treatments, including in-home x-ray machines, in-home electrical medical equipment, medication, jewelry, clothing, and confessions on the daily. Okay. Yeah. That's a lot to unpack. Uh, And the next note I had was, but seriously, how were her parents okay with this? Because she was living with her parents. Her husband wasn't there. Like, she's 21 years old. How are they okay with this? Carl kind of worked on that one, too. They basically convinced, like, it's really terrible. He convinced them that not only was he a von Kossel, he was Count von Kossel. And not only was he a radiology technician, but he had medical degrees from nine universities and he was a doctor. If he was a count, and again, nothing wrong with being a radiologist, <laughs> but what's he doing working as a radiologist? I mean, Prince Harry just moved to L.A., Okay, well, good for Prince Harry, but uh, pretty sure he doesn't have necessarily a, you know, public day job like that. You never know. Who knows? If pretty sure he's he's doing just fine on his own off of, you know, royals. Yeah. Uh, also, nine mm. medical degrees. Gee, you don't think you're overcompensating a little bit, buddy? Nine? Well, I mean, he's 50-something. He's had years to, to get him. That was probably easier back then. That's, I mean, that's accurate. It probably was easier. Maybe they were just so happy that someone else was interested in their daughter after her last husband left. Well, more of it seemed to be his extreme devotion to trying to heal her. But... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, even with all the devotion and equipment and that money could possibly buy, Elena did succumb to tuberculosis about a year later... On October 25th, 1931, she was still married to Mario, and on record, she had never reciprocated Carl's feelings. Yeah, that's about what I figured. Yep. That's why I said, was she also in love, or was it very one-sided? Very one-sided. Very much so Uh. one-sided. So Carl was extremely distraught, seemingly more so than the family, Um. And asked the family if he could pay for Elena's funeral. He did get their permission and had a mausoleum constructed. He then proceeded to visit the mausoleum every night for two years, serenading Alana's resting place. And the community, like, generally felt for the hopeless romantic that had lost his love after knowing her for only one year. Mm, that's really creepy. Right? It's super creepy. Like, like don't do that. Cry at home, see a like, therapist, sweetie. Like, if they had been married 50 years and it was one of those, like, cute, older, romantic couples, that would be sweet and endearing. But a unrequited, mm. lo- creepy love obsession that forced you to stay with them and tried to force medical care upon you? Yeah, that's that's real creepy. But luckily, like, after two years, Carl kind of seemed to recover 
Um, people in the community started thinking that he was in a new long-term relationship because he had been seen dancing in his home with a woman. He was buying women's clothes and jewelry again. And everyone was just really thrilled for him because they had all like felt really bad for him. Um, oh, why do so I feel like I know where this October is going? October <laughs> of 1940, word of Carl's recovery even reached Elena's family. So this was, what, um, nine years after Elena's death? Like, they finally received word that he's, like, doing well. He has a new relationship. And they're so thrilled for him that for Flor- Florinda, El- Elena's oldest sister, um, goes to his home to congratulate him. But upon arrival, what she found was Carl sleeping with her sister's preserved corpse. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought was going to happen. Yep, that's what was going to happen. What about Doris? Uh, yeah, she's still in Zephyrillis. That was it. Florida with Carl's sister. Just just hanging out there? She's just her got her kids being... and, that you know, Doris has... I assume she's getting paychecks, otherwise she might be unhappy, but otherwise... Well, I mean, he, she was never his soulmate, right? So yeah, I like to imagine that Doris got herself a like hunky partner that she was very happy with or that like maybe Doris and Carl's sister were like super gay for each other or something. I hope so. Just something with a happy ending for Doris. (laughs) I hope. Uh, Yeah, I had a feeling that you were going to say it was. Yeah, it gets worse. Mm. Of course it does. So he had helped, uh, not helped, he had paid for and had commissioned that mausoleum, right? Mm-hmm. So what no one realized was that he had he had a key to the mausoleum. So he had spent the two years of mourning that people saw him as serenading her corpse and all of that, um, actually inside the mausoleum secretly preserving her corpse against everyone's wishes. Um, so in April of 1933, two years after her death, Carl then took a toy wagon to the mausoleum, and that was how he transported Elena back to his home. Supposedly. And no one saw him? No one saw him. It was like at at midnight, and like no one's out. It's really dark. Supposedly. It's in Key West. It's in, it's in Key West. <laughs> Come on. Someone saw it and was just like, nope, not going there. Yeah, I'm just like, not touching it with the 10-foot stick. Nope, <laughs> nope, nope. This is when you go to the cops. Uh, or literally anyone. Uh, so Carl took her home and drew the curtain shut. And there he continued to maintain and preserve Elena's corpse. That's so creepy. And I've got a trigger warning because I have a list of the things he did. Okay. So I've got wine. Trigger warning here. You might want to start chugging. <laughs> so he would attach her bones I'll together. I'll just stop when you're done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he would attach her bones together with piano wire so that he would be able to manipulate her limbs and have them stay where he put them. He inserted glass eyes once her eyes decomposed. He used, any time there was decomposition of skin, he replaced it with silk cloth that was coated in wax and plaster of Paris. As her hair fell out, he would gather the hair and created a wig from the hair that he then placed upon the corpse. Why didn't he just shave her head? Because it was decomposing, and if you shave 
decomposing skin, you're liable to get chunks versus hair simply falling out from a corpse. This is weird that I know this. Hair falling well, out no, from I a mean, corpse comes out. Like, why didn't he just shave her head to start with? Because, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't be critiquing his <laughs> his methods. His but... weird human taxidermying? Let's not. Yeah. <laughs> so he I'll created a wave from her hair. The list isn't done yet. Um, okay. In order to maintain her physical shape, um, he, as her insides decomposed, he would stuff her abdomen and chest cavity with rags and bits of cloth to create a shape. Um, and then, boy, even in death, women can't live up to men's standards. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then, all of those women's clothing and jewelry and everything that he had been buying, they were gifts for his love, Elena. And he would dress the corpse in the stockings, jewelry, and gloves and dresses that he bought in order to try and cover the decomposition aroma. He also used extensive amounts of perfume, disinfectant, and preservatives. And then he would actively dance with her corpse around the house. He cooked meals for her. He would buy her gifts and he slept with her in his bed every single night Mm. boy and who says romance is dead Mm -hmm. (laughs) so florinda horrified obviously immediately ran to the authorities and reported carl and carl was then examined by a psychiatrist and somehow deemed mentally competent. So that's the shocking thing. Like, he was mentally competent through all of this. He was not, like, just bonkersville. I am sure he had a mental condition of some kind to be participating in necrophilia and this level of creeptasticness, but mentally competent to stand trial for wantonly and maliciously destroying a grave and removing a body without authorization. I mean, I feel like you can be plenty sane and do those things. I can't. Like you, I'm not not sane in the yeah. the usual way, but I mean, like you actively know what you're doing and yeah, yeah, think it's okay. Yeah. So so he stood okay. trial. He was found guilty, um, but creepily, like really freaktastically strange to me. People were sympathetic to Carl. Like, they had, like, thrown in their rosy glasses, and they were not giving up on them. All they saw with Carl was a hopeless romantic. And not the dead body twirling around in his arms? Oh, yeah, no, they basically just ignored that. We're like, oh, but he loves her. No. Nope. Yeah, no, that's where you swat him with a newspaper and squirt him with a water bottle, because that's not okay. Yeah. So after the trial, he was still so determined he asked if elena's corpse would be returned to him and luckily the court refused no you don't get to deface someone's body when they didn't even like they didn't love you they didn't give permission for this like no right Uh, if i have to give permission to be an organ donor after i die you should get her permission to taxidermy her yep but unfortunately because this world sucks sometimes um her body was still placed on display in a museum as he had defiled it. 
because Key West is apparently a treasure trove of weird shit. Uh, and they were just super interested in it. Like, it went into a museum for a few years. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Elena was eventually laid to rest in an unmarked grave so that she could get some well-deserved peace and not be deserved by the perverts anymore. And not in his creepy mausoleum that he could get to her. Nope. Nowhere. Like, it was deliberately done so he could not find her because they were certain that he would go and find her again. That is absolutely horrifying. You want another level of horrifying? Well, I, still, I'm waiting for the bottom to bu- of that bucket to fall out. I mean, if it hasn't already it's, fallen out, I don't really know how it could fall it's out It's halfway more. open. I'm just expecting there's more. So Carl, having been denied the body of Elena, instead mm. built a life-size doll of Elena and spent the rest of his years with the doll, treating it as he had the body, sleeping with it, going on dates with it, presumably having some kind of intercourse with it, buying it gifts, making it dinner, until he died you know, at the age of 75 in 1952. I would almost rather he did that to start with. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If he had done that to start with, like, way less creepy. But the fact that he only did that when a corpse was denied to him. Yeah. Yeah, I I would have much preferred that he started at that level than... Carl wouldn't have progressing to it (laughs) so i have some pictures for you okay i do yeah i'm sorry are you i am genuinely (laughs) uh i am going to start off with the lovely pictures of her and i i assume her alive her alive yeah and We'll go from there. Okay. Okay, there's the first one. I thought you said she was alive. That is alive. The one I sent you was alive. You sure? Uh, Now I'm wondering what Lincoln (laughs) sent you, but... Pretty sure it wasn't her alive. Here, one second. We'll try this again. Try that one. Okay, yes, that is her alive. What you sent me was not. <laughs> okay, sorry. I meant to start with alive. <laughs> yeah, no, she was she was lovely. And now uh, these other ones are not her alive, and I'm sorry. <clears throat> the last one is just a replica, but... You can actually, there are still exhibits in Key West doing replicas of Elena. Oh, I don't know if that's creepy or not. Uh, Yes, it is. 100% judgment. That is creepy. Oh, he does not look like what I imagined him looking like. No. He is a weird looking dude. Oh. Yeah. It's very disturbing, 
And I unfortunately now have some song lyrics to read to you because not only would she put on display, there have also been several songs written about it because I learned, again, through my wonderful friend Brian, that murder ballads are a thing. Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah. So the Black Dahlia Murder, which is a band, uh, wrote a song on their album Nocturnal called Death Mask Divine that is about Mm. the story of Carl Tanzler and Elena. Okay. I'm I'm just going to read a little bit of it and let you be as creeped out with me as possible. Because I had to read it alone and I need to share. That's fair. Removal of the eyes gives my heart a saddened chill. I preserve them in formaldehyde to gaze upon at will. How their greenish flecks befill me the starlit winter's night. How I lost all that I ever was while locked within their sight. Before you sits a broken man, your fragile pinkish heart in hand. Peculiar how it can hurt so bad. I sew the gaping chest uh, while only... While love is only in the mind, I sew the gaping chest work. Each thread is made with love. The bosom where I would rest my face is covered in your blood. No, this is not the end. You'll live on. Oh, Lord, it's not the end. My secret you'll forever be. I interrupt this transformation, a familiar lust swelling in me. A long and soulful kiss. The shades are drawn. The living world can't see. The coils of entrails, how curious the smell, so pungent to my eager nostrils, hands further compelled. No, no, it's not the end. Forever you'll be in my arms. I could never let you go, my darling cold and blue. I'm going to stop there because it just keeps going and it's awful. I was happy to not know murder ballads were a thing. Like... You know the deal. I, feel like, I share when I'm I horrified. <laughs> I know. I just, I feel like our worlds were better places before we knew that was a thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm sorry. Mm. And that's Elena and Carl. Really, it was just Carl because Elena was not a willing participant in any of this. I know, but I feel like I don't, I didn't like that her memory is linked up with his without talking about her as if she's a living person. Like, all that gets remembered of her is her corpse being defaced, and I hate that. Right. Yeah. That's... So, she was a person. She seems like she was nice, and, like, she had bad shit happen to her, and I'm sorry. Also, I have to wonder, like, I assume that someone made the life-size doll for him? It seems that he made it. Okay. Because I was like... How do you accept that commission? Like, especially since it seemed like pretty much everyone in the area knew who he was and what he did. So, like, do you accept that to be like, well, it's better than the original? Because the alternative is he finds her dead body again. And, well, I guess I can make her into a life-size doll for him so he doesn't go that route. But then you have to live knowing that you made... Yeah. I don't know. I feel like that's a catch-22 that I I would grapple with quite heavily morally. I definitely, yeah, I'm right on board with you on that. Like, it's really, 
a gray area. Mm. Yeah, he just, wow, I am still, he is not what I expected him looking like. Yeah, no, like he's just like this small, skinny, white dude with a really pointy beard and old timey glasses that... Like, don't get me wrong, he looks like he'd be, like, a webtoon villain. Oh, yes. But... I'm pretty sure I've seen some webtoon villains that look exactly like him. Uh, yeah. Also, yeah, I really hope after all of this, like, what do you think Doris's reaction to hearing about all this? Because I'm sure she heard about it. Oh, I'm sure. Like, how could she not? She was his wife. She probably got approached and asked questions and, like, a bunch of weird things. All right, like... Do you ask for a divorce? Like, do you just be like, well, he's in Key West. Like, I'm over here. (laughs) You never get to see me again. As long as you keep sending the paychecks. (laughs) Yeah, I was wondering, like, if his daughters knew about all of that. By the time we hit, so they were, they would be in their 20s during his trial and everything. Oof. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah, because it was 1940, and they were born in 1920s. Maybe they requested, like, it be under his his count name. (laughs) Unfortunately, they were all linked, because he even had a few other names that we didn't go into, because he had different names when he was in Germany. Um, But during his trial proceedings, they had to sort out, like, who all everyone was. And probably to his chagrin on his death certificate, it simply said Carl Tanzler. Yeah, not count. Yeah, no. You're not a count, bucko. No. Which makes you wonder if a countess was really in his genealogy or if it was just... No, is my guess. Yeah. All the other crazy added up in there. He had a lot in there. Like, a lot. Hmm. Well, yeah, I (laughs) I did not enjoy that story. That was appropriately horrifying, and I did need the wine. I knew you would. Do you need a palate Uh, cleanser other than just your wine? Yeah. I would would love a palate cleanser, especially after talking about (laughs) entrails. So why did the banana go to the doctor? To see what was inside? He wasn't peeling well. Oh. (laughs) That's, That's better than where I was going. I don't know where you were going. We've been talking about someone getting their chest and inside <laughs> stuffed with rags, okay? Cut oh, me some slack. <laughs> okay, you were going real dark. Yep. God, why is this a Wikipedia search? Carl Tanzler jokes. Oh, God, there's jokes on... Okay. <laughs> I was trying not to go too horrifying, but we're doing it now. Also... Like, he had her body at his house for seven years mm-hmm. before someone's like, ah, hey, something's weird. Seven years. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so a man went mm. to a palm reader and asked, when will I meet my soulmate? And the palm reader said, never. The man said, but you haven't looked at my palm. And they said, I've looked at your face. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Burn. Yeah, that's that's a harsh one. Do you uh, know how the gods kindle the flame of love between two soulmates? Mm, no. With a match made in heaven. Nah. <laughs> 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 oh. oh, I like this one. Subreddits are like soulmates. 
The perfect community for you is out there somewhere, but you sure as hell aren't going to find it in your lifetime. Because Reddit <laughs> is hard to search. It's hard. It is. I, I don't understand Reddit. Oh, damn. I found my wife, my soulmate, my best friend on Tinder. Guess I wasn't invited to the orgy. <laughs> oh. oh, no. <laughs> uh. Oh, no. So uh, there's a mouse and a snake hanging out, and the mouse says, Hey, snake, what are you up to tonight? Snake says, I'm meeting my soulmate. Mouse, oh, wow, that's amazing. How do you know it's your soulmate? Snake, you misheard me. I said I'm eating mice. Whole, mate. Bye-bye, mousy. (laughs) Bye-bye, mousy. I thought my girlfriend told me I was her soulmate, but what she said was cellmate. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, okay. I was expecting something, like, British-y, where it's like you're an arsehole mate like you're an yeah, our soulmate nope. oh no i called you an ass <laughs> <laughs> apparently not do you ever stare at the moon and wonder if your soulmate is also staring up at it but then you realize your hand doesn't have eyes oh hey <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're ending on that one. Oh, geez uh, poor jill oh Yikes. Awkward. Yeah. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks for listening and check back next Sunday for a new episode. Make good choices and remember, wait, wait to, panic. to panic. What did the glass of scotch say to the whiskey on the rocks? Mm, I don't know. Oh, no. It's what did the whiskey on the rocks say to the glass of scotch? I still don't know. I think you're neat. Ah, ah, that's cute.